Good morning, Murray Walker. Welcome to the show. Thank you. It's great to be here. I came to the first one and I've been to all the others since. The number you have dialed is not in service at this time. Gentlemen, start your engine! Good afternoon, Radio For those who don't know, Radio Hotman, thanks for coming and making time. It's on everybody's mind. For those who don't know, there's a big shebang. Sorry about that. Diabolical, uh, um, um, technical goodies. Radio Hotman. Oh, cheers, boys. Cheers. Cheers. Good afternoon, Radio Good evening, folks. How are you? Good, thank you. I thought I'd bring a little bit of colour into your life this afternoon with a, a lily from the backyard. A very pretty flower, thank you, Charlie. I didn't know you cared so much. You wouldn't have cared very much about the, fly, the flowers had you been on QF32 with Richard de Crypney on the way back from Singapore that fateful day, because I was reading the book, and apparently, apart from the dramas he had with Engine 3, there were no flowers in the bathroom. It was an ill-fated flight from the beginning then, wasn't it? And how, in fact, and then how was your uh, business class jet so what is it? it's almost like the two words can't actually go together business class in jetstar <laughs> it does appear to be an oxymoron doesn't it but no it was very comfortable it's very good value you know it's way cheaper than premium economy and uh, certainly way cheaper than business class in the um the likes of Singapore Airlines and Qantas, so no, very comfortable. Sure. Yeah. More than good enough for an eight-hour flight, you know, comfortable seats, good service, leg room, which is really all I need. That is quite so. Very, very satisfied. Thank you for asking. I um, see you're not wearing my Nissan jacket. No, because it's about 33 degrees and 107% humidity or something ridiculous. It's very hot, very, very hot. Well, that must so mean... doesn't need a jacket here. That must mean... I took it with me just in case, because I thought even if I left it in Melbourne, you'd still find someone here. Yeah. <laughs> I'd climb up the balcony, so hand, jimmy the door open. <laughs> so it's in safekeeping. And, and clean the table up. Well, that must mean, folks, it's time for episode 5 of Radio Hotlap, that light-hearted and zany podcast that, once a year, takes a little bit of a special trip across to Singapore, where you are obviously in the Formula One Media Centre here, and we've got some very unusual um, Facebook likes going on. We can't understand it, but probably you can't make any sense of it either. What's going on up there, mate? I can see a little bit of TV in the background. There's the GP2 race. In that, progress. Are you saying who cares? Uh, I don't. <laughs> Somebody there's being led by Vandergaard from Ericsson and Rathia. There you go. So for all you GP2 aficionados, make of that what you will. It's, is it a bit like the Dunlop series of F1? Uh, probably worse. a bit better than that. They're, actually, the cars sound really good. They sound like proper Formula One cars almost. And in fact, they look better than the current Reader Formula One cars. So I shouldn't be too dismissive because they actually look like 
look and sound like pretty good pretty good weapons and um, I don't know about the racing, I haven't been paying attention but it's a, an interesting addition to the support program for the Singapore Grand Prix because in previous years it's been a bit light on for entertainment when the Formula 1 cars haven't been out so at least you have GP2 and also what have they got, Porsche Carrera Cup, some sort of Ferrari challenge thing. So it's uh, giving the punters during the day something to look at. Bit of a shame, it could have been the V8 supercars, you know, came very close. Well, I would have thought uh, that, you know, if there's a Ferrari challenge going on up there, most of them will end up in uh, someone's workshop to be repaired. Is it a bit like that, a bit like Macau? Um, possibly, I wouldn't know. <laughs> uh, why would I be watching? Uh, yes, but quite really. so. Yes. I mean, so. you know, it's, it's a miracle I even watch the Formula Ones, to be honest. Absolutely. But I'm here, and I'm I'm reporting from on the ground. You are. You're in the uh, in the um, uh, F1 in the media centre, and I'm getting a very good uh, understanding of your air conditioning ducts, as well as yourself, of course. But I, you know, for your future reference, it looks like they've got the air conditioning under control because it is a little humid there, and we don't want you getting a little hot under the collar, folks. No, in the sir. last week. The last week, it's been a terrible upset for you, has it not? Like, um, how rude is it, them uh, having a snap, a snap conference, like delaying your your luxurious flight out of town? Then, the damn the the, the slippery slurring sausage has gone and resigned, and then there's been a war of words from FPR and um, and 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 T8. I'd like to look before we go on an F1. What do you make of that? I know. I leave them alone for five minutes and they're at each other's throats and Tony Cochran is, you know, spat his dummy in the dirt and he's quit. No, it's been a big week, as you say. I was inconvenienced by the uh, late calling of the press announcement to confirm what we already knew about the whole Erebus Racing, Stone Brothers Racing, AMG Alliance to put some Mercedes-Benzes on the grid in VA Supercast next year, so that all came out in the wash pretty much as had been forecast by myself and others, to be fair. Um, principally Auto Action Magazine has been on top of it for over a month. Um, so we got to hear what Betty Clemenko and Ryan Madison had to say about it all, the, the owner and the uh, chief executive of Erebus Racing. So. Is certainly spending a lot of money on this show, not only just paying AMG for the development of the engines and the body panels and other tech backup, but the fact that ultimately they're going to buy well, buy Stone Brothers Racing, and that means buying the two licenses. And that's at the moment the going rate's probably between, well, probably $1.5 million. So there's another $3 million just there. Do you so smell it? It's, sm it's big, Vicky's. Do you smell a bigger picture there? You know, um, or is it just ego and, hey, I've got cash to burn? Betty Clemenko is extremely wealthy and she's um, a big motorsport fan. And, you know, she's, she can afford it. She's going to do it and she'll do it properly. One would uh, think that she perhaps could get a, uh, a hairstylist could get the colours consistent. Well, she is an interesting look. That is correct to say with the short platinum blonde hair with the pink streaks and the 
tattoos um, down either arm. It's not your standard multi-multi-millionaire's look, but well, what can we she, what can we say? She's um, she is eccentric, and she is also enigmatic as well. Um, quite secretive, which means she's fitting perfectly on Radio Hotline. I'm sure she'd be happy to make an appearance. For the viewers, and verbally. As, as I saw from Phillip Island, um, they've uh, cleaned up in the GTs, or in one in the second race anyway, one two, led by the uh, the new import Engel, who uh, beat Hackett. Yes, I, I did see that, and I also, uh, having spoken to Alan Simonson earlier this week, who declined to want to talk about anything about after a weekend last weekend, got yet another drive-through penalty, this time for jumping the start in race one. Um, I'm not necessarily effectively handing the uh, the, the race win to, um, to, to Craig Lowndes, but uh, put himself on the back foot after qualifying second. I just mentioned... The GT racing just in passing, but just reinforcing you know, the amount of money that Erebus Racing already is is spending in the sport. You know, to GT3 AMG LS, SLSs, you know, and importing a driver from Germany, you know, to uh, uh, back up the championship assault. You know, it's um, it's a no money spared operation so far. So um, we can only look forward to their largest in V8 supercars next year. And then, as you mentioned, Tony Cochran quitting. Um, the speed at which he did it is a surprise. The fact that he has quit is not a surprise. That's frankly been building for some months. There's been a lot of friction between he and Archer Capital, who are the majority owners of V8 Supercars Australia. Um, Cochrane's autocratic style of leadership just wasn't fitting in with um, the new management, the new owners, and um, eventually it had to give. I mean, it's as these things ha as happens with these things, you know, it's all sweetness and light and he's leaving, you know, in the best possible terms and he's wishing everyone well and, you know, sending out the love to everyone. But, you know, I don't know the exact reasons yet, yet, I emphasise, but, you know, it's clear that um, it wasn't a comfortable relationship, never has been, and um, Coco has decided that um, he can go off and do something else. And I, with some amusement, I've seen in the uh, Sydney in the Sydney Telegraph, the Sunday Telegraph in Sydney, um, they're speculating that Cochrane could be up for the job of uh, taking over as chief executive of the NRL. That would be an interesting one. Wow, that is. Uh, I know. In fact, I was. Uh, I was just thinking to myself as you were talking there, folks, that a guy like Tony Cochrane is not one that can be sort of held down on a Sunday. He's itching and and he's direct, no bullshit sort of, hey, here, here, here's what it is. You know, I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm going to, I'll squirt the blackhead before it turns into a pimple, which is probably the reverse uh, uh, process of what uh, Archer Capital would be about. Probably needs a little bit of a sabbatical, go, you know, uh, get his energy back and come back at it in a different way. Oh, he'll be back somewhere, don't worry. And uh, SEL will too fit much with that. Um, I really, I have, I have serious concerns about the future of V8 supercars without him because love him or hate him, Tony Cochran drove the sport from pretty much nothing into, you know, a big and ostensibly successful business and, uh, and, my, and one of Australia's now major league sports, you know, it's arguably number three or four, you know, nationally. 
um, without him, I think they're going to struggle. You know, he, he was the man who, you know, who browbeat and bulldozed governments into backing street races that, you know, really, if you thought about it, had no logical chance of getting up. And yet, consistently, time after time, he did it. And, um, you know, he makes a big noise. He talks a big talk, but, you know, he does walk the walk. He, he's got it done. And uh, I, I just don't see anyone taking over, you know, who, who can match his ferocity and entrepreneurialism to get things done. So we're going to have to watch that space very carefully. Look, there's a lot of parallels there, would it, would you not say, between uh, his departure and perhaps, you know, the the the, un, the necessary or inevitable departure of uh, of, of Bernie Eccleston in Formula One. There's it's sort of all a little bit swept under the carpet. We talked a couple of episodes ago about you know Zach Brown being a replacement at, at that end. Um, it. It's it's a bit funny how these are sort of all worlds colliding. There is a parallel in that you could say that Tony Crockman has been the Bernie Eccleston of V8 supercars. Um, Bernie Eccleston, however, really is showing no signs of going anywhere. Not in a hurry, anyway. Um, but you're right when when Bernie leaves Formula One, whether it's by his own decision or more likely involuntarily, that is. You know, he'll probably die in that job to be blunt about it. Um, not because of the job, but he'll just keep doing it until um, he died. Um, once Bernie goes, it'll be complete anarchy. Well, people really people said the same of uh, Steve Jobs' uh, departure and sudden death at, at Apple, uh, being replaced by Tim Cook, yet the share price has now popped $700, despite the fact that you're probably not where, really where you are if you're using iOS 6 Maps. Yes, a different situation. Yeah, there's a complete corporate structure there, and projects already in the pipeline, and there's a corporate ethos at Apple that continue. But in the long term, it is a valid question to ask whether the same sort of flair and um, creativity is going to continue at, at Apple. But at least there's you know a very big um, support crew that was already in existence underneath Steve Jobs. So you would expect Apple, as long as they keep producing innovative or appealing product, they'll be fine. Um, big sports tend to be driven by, um, or, or, and, you know, like Formula One teams or V8 teams or any sports teams, they tend to be, the successful ones tend to be driven by one overwhelming personality. You know, it's the old story about, you know, prospering under a benign dictatorship. Look, seems to work much better than when you have committees deciding things. And, you know, Steve Jobs was a benign dictator and, you know, the company probably will suffer in some aspects for his absence. Um, but I think they've got a lot, you know, they've got momentum, they've got inertia and um, they'll probably uh, continue, maybe more vulnerable to challenge, who knows. So there we go. So here, here in Singapore, as we've already established, it's extremely hot and humid. It's very grey and hazy. Is it more so than other years? Is it like hotter, or what do you feel? Well, hot is hot is hot. Humid is humid is humid. So um, it's particularly oppressive today, and there's no sunshine. I mean, it's the sky is as grey as can be, and that's largely because there's a huge haze over the place because um, apparently there's been big 
bushfires or burning off over in Indonesia and the smoke clouds are floating over the place here. Um, there seems to be some prospect of rain. Um, I don't know if it's for the race, but a little later this afternoon, if it does rain during the race, well, that's going to really liven things up. We've never had a wet race here, and it's a treacherous street track already, the Marina Bay track, but um, it's very slippery at the best of times. So in the wet, it's going to be like an ice skating rink. Um, and then there's concerns and questions about how the drivers will cope under lights. I mean, the lighting here is spectacular, and, and, and it's very evenly diffused over the track. That was one of the basic requirements in the design here. So I don't know if there's going to be an issue about having glare if it rains or if it's a wet track, but we'll have to wait and see. It's, I mean, it's, it's one of the most, if not the most, arduous Formula Race on the calendar already. Um, the, the track traditionally, you know, claims lots of victims. You know, it's concrete walls close in. There'll be safety cars, so... I would imagine it'll be, if not a riveting race, it'll be an interesting race strategically because tyre degradation is going to be a big issue here. Um, so unless Lewis Hamilton just runs off into the distance, I think you could call this one a toss-up. I think there's um, quite a few, there's, there's a bunch of drivers who could win this one. There's uh, been a call from for respect, in fact, from Lewis Hamilton. He didn't tweet it out this time, but he said it directly that uh, Pastor Maldonado should be respectful of championship contenders around him. I, I think, well, what do you think? I mean, considering the, uh, the, the one, base, one race ban that uh, Grosjean had had um, at Monza, uh, are we going to see... Is it a track that, like, like uh, Monaco, you really need to make track position immediately? Um, not, it's not quite as critical, but... Uh, it is very important, yes. It's, it's making track positions critical in any Formula One these, race these days. But yeah, this is somewhere in between, not quite as critical as Monaco. But you know, the sooner you can get up the front, the better off you are. And with Maldonado there on the front row, right next to Hamilton, and ahead of the likes of Vettel and Button and Alonso, it could be a carambolage into the first turn, I suspect, <laughs> folks, do you, later you know, on. You know, when you, when you look at Spa, would it better off not having having Spa start after La Source like they used to and they all charge into Eau Rouge where there's a bit of runoff? I mean, aren't they sort of, you know, OK, what do you got? Monaco, it's into, uh, what's the corner? Um, um, Saint-Devot. Saint-Devot. Saint uh, yeah. Um, would it not be sort of just, hello? OK, Monaco, you can't change it. But they actually have reversed the way Spa is, so it's sort of eh, stop. And the um, problem, the problem at Spa with the old um, starting grid was that it was downhill. Well, so no one had enough chalk. <laughs> it seemed to have been an issue, um, but I know what you mean. Yeah, it's all piling into La Source hairpin does seem to be a recipe for disaster. But you know, you've got the same at Monza into that first chicane. Mm -hmm. Um, but, so but at least with Monza, you, know, you, sort of of, you go straight ahead or... It, uh... mm, anyway, I mean, Maldonado is, um, I mean, an extraordinary performance, you know. He, he um, He's just been bouncing and running into things since he won the Spanish Grand Prix, you know, occasional glimpses of blinding speed, but this one was really an impressive performance. So if he can restrain himself and not be his usual loose cannon, 
not take his usual loose cannon approach and doesn't jump the start, <laughs> um, you know, it could be on for another big result, but it'll, it'll be certainly interesting. And I think um, the drivers around him will be, uh, shall we say, very circumspect. <laughs> Mark Webber, um, well, he's got some work to do. I mean, he can win. He's seventh on the grid. It's not out of the question, and it's a tough race. And, you know, as I said, a high attrition rate, so he could make ground, but um, he needs to make ground. You know, if he doesn't have a, a good result here, um, the world, his world championship prospects are going to slip away even further, almost to the point of being out of contention. I mean, he is in his traditional late season going backwards phase, as you well identified. As, mm, uh, as, the opposite to Craig Lowe. Who just gets a GT car and wins everything, which is actually mm. what they, 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 they didn't didn't want. And, and incidentally on that note, and I don't want to digress from, from yeah, F1. He won, but, the, uh, he won the race yesterday. He, he did, and, and today I hear that uh, the Bathurst 12 hours is the opening round of the GT Championship for next year. The first hour of it is. Oh, is it? Just the first, the first hour? hour the result. Oh, the oh hour that's hour even funnier. That. That's what I hear. I, uh... Oh yeah, okay. That's a that sounds like a chocolate. A new a new man who makes chocolates grabbing at ruffs. It's a recipe for disaster. A recipe. Oh folks, you're on it today. Yeah. You really what have you been having? A Singapore sling? Two. Oh, yeah. You should mention. <laughs> yeah. Paul Marinelli, one of the uh, leading PR guys in um, yep. Australian sport, also leading driver manager. He's Mark Winterbottom's manager. He's over here and we've been hanging out. We went to the long bar, the famous long bar at Raffles. Oh, damn. And, I wish and, I was there for that. Oh, how cool is that? Which is, I mean, it's just something you do. I mean, it's the girliest looking drink you've ever seen in the world. Is he not also the manager? It's got fruit in it. I mean, really. Is he not also the manager of M Summertop? <laughs> yeah, Frosty, as I said, Mark <laughs> You did see those rather harsh I saw Roland Danes poke at him, yes. That whole war of words, so-called, between uh, Wincup, Jamie Wincup, Mark Winterbottom, and Roland Dane sticking his oar in. It, I mean, it's good stuff. It's what we want in V8s. But, I mean, really, Ro- Roland Dane's comments particularly, um, pretty immature. And off the mark. I mean, that was a great passing move by Frosty of Santa. You know, it was a genuine, you know, it was aggressive, it was forceful, and it got the job done. And, you know, after the race, immediately after the race, Wincup, you know, wasn't over the moon, but he wasn't upset about it, you know. No, But afterwards, Roland's got in his ear. You know, and Roland Dane wanted to, he took it to the stewards, I believe. Yes. You know, was suddenly making a big fuss out of it. You know, we finally get some, you know, a bit of a bit of aggression, a bit of fight for some drivers and a bit of rivalry, you know, and immediately, you know, some team boss wants to go and complain about it. I mean, really, you know, if they don't want to have a rough, tough sport, they should just go and, you know, do something like, I don't know, pillow fighting or something, really. Or, or perhaps sailing. Which apparently he does. Well, he won, apparently won that. Oh, he's actually the helmsman. I don't really know if he's actually sailing the boat or he has others. He probably has a man to do it for him. I really don't know. <laughs> he's just a sailor. Maybe he, he's a member of the tactical afterguard. 
Yes, he's sort of like... The terminology. Yes, yes, I I see what you mean. I don't uh, know, but I really don't know. Yeah, it was definitely one week ago to to this actual, pretty much to this exact moment uh, that we were in Melbourne, and it was was a rather humorous, I thought humorous, media conference indeed, which was wrapped up rather quite quickly because people need to go and have beers at Luffy's. And Jamie was very keen to go and have his beer with Luffy and I and I was happy to excuse him from class early. <laughs> you were, because no one else wanted to touch the subject. <laughs> Absolutely, folks. <laughs> but what else is going on up there? Come on, just F1 wrap. Well, the, the race has been secured for another five years. There'd been some doubt about whether the race was going to continue. The Singapore authorities were um, having some hard negotiations with Bernie Eccleston over whether over the price of the race basically. Well, they've managed apparently to extract a discount from Bernie and they've sealed the deal for another five years. And that's good because this race uh, is, well, it's probably, I think it's the most spectacular Formula One race virtually, but it's now become, you know, I was talking to one of the, um, one of the, the most important and one of the most successful sponsor brokers in Formula One yesterday. And we were talking about the various races and their status throughout the world. And he was saying that the Singapore Grand Prix now, you know, after just five years, is one of the most important Formula One races on the calendar and one that um, if you're a major global sponsor, you have to be involved in and you have to be at. So Singapore, um, which, the, you know, this race is now regarded, it's it's coined, it's been called the Monaco of the East, and it very much is. You know, it's in a very short period of time, it's established itself as one of the marquee events in Formula One. A blue that, rye band that, event of the East. That, that, that senior sponsor broker, the guy, the guy I mentioned, um, who, you know, is head of a big PR and marketing agency out of London. Um, he also rates the Australian Grand Prix in Melbourne as one of the key Formula One events commercially in terms of, you know, sponsors wanting to be there and getting exposure. So that's quite a wrap. He talked about the, the M's in Formula One, Melbourne, Monaco, Montreal and Monza plus Singapore as being the key, key event. So we're here for another five years, and that's great. And it, um, an unofficial or a provisional Formula One calendar has been circulated among the teams this weekend. And once again, um, Melbourne will be on pole position as far as the calendar is concerned. It will again be the opening race of the Formula One World Championship in 2013, uh, the weekend of March 17. And that's pretty interesting because I can pretty much assure you that uh, Eclipseville 500 next year will be held over the weekend or over the period from February the 28th until, what would that be, March the 3rd, I guess. So the first weekend of March, basically, is um, when you can put Eclipseville 500, the Eclipseville, in your diary next year, yeah, I, and, or, I, I and think, also book me and book me, in, of course. Uh, yeah, I think you're, I think you're right. Right. totally, totally. Yeah, I think you're actually right there, uh, folks, because um, uh, uh, sort of reading between the lines, there is a, um, a major, major historic <laughs> race booked in for uh, Phillip Island a week after that, um, and uh, typically many of those cars do come to do parade 
parade adventures at the Grand Prix. So, and that that four day, four day, you know, one week turnaround is just a bit too heavy for people. So I think you're right. It'll be the second weekend in uh, in March. That means um, for the F1. The the second, oh, the, the second weekend in March. Yeah, for, yeah, uh, it is. That's um, on the provisional calendar, which will be largely ratified by the FIA at uh, the end of the month, September the 28th. So, well, alternatively... Um, well, uh, and it's going to be 20 races again next year, John. Hmm. And um, pretty much the same as this year, except um, coming into the championship will be the... Um, second American race in the New Jersey Grand Prix, which is in fact the de facto New York City Grand Prix because it's across the Hudson River from um, Manhattan and has the view of the Manhattan skyline in the background and um, that's predicted that's going to be a huge event. Corporate America is predicted to really turn out for that one and um, the race has got some issues. It's still not a, a lock that it's going to happen but work on the street circuit in West New Jersey is continuing and uh, Formula 1 people are very excited about uh, not only going to Texas in November this year but also then next year having two events in the United States of America and the one race that's missing out to keep it at 20 races um, eludes me for a moment I suspect it might be Turkey I'm pretty sure it is actually and uh, speaking of Texas, as I just mentioned, then I can I can also reveal to you at and this moment a special, da, 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 folks, the, Sunday night revelation. The, the details of the V8 Supercars event in Austin, Texas, at the Circuit of Americas, um, will all be announced and confirmed um, in this coming week. I'm not sure of the day yet, but the details are going to come out. Um, I think I've mentioned before. You know, we already know the dates. It's going to be, um, I think, the middle weekend in May, um, somewhere around the 17th or something <coughs> on the top of my head. But the same weekend as the NASCAR All-Stars at Charlotte and the week before the Indianapolis 500. So we already know that, and um, it'll be confirmed, as will the format of the event, which is, of course, what we've all been um, waiting to hear and to, to see how or... In, in what way they're going to involve leading drivers from North American series and hopefully involve some NASCAR drivers and, and whether it'll be a co-driver race like the Gold Coast or whether the um, the Americans or the leading drivers from American series will have their own race or something. I think the latter... I think the latter... I think the latter is probably more likely from the, uh, the noise that I've heard that is that... Well, well, actually, look, rewinding, we saw a lot of drivers come over for the inaugural uh, Gold Coast 600, what is it, last year, and on the new shortened circuit. And surprisingly, they, they were better than expected. Mm. And... Um, well, I, go on. I think for practical purposes, I won't be surprised if it will be a, a separate race mm. on the Sunday for the for the, the Americans, for want of a better term, simply because I believe that they're making a play to get some NASCAR drivers involved because, let's face it, unless they have some known names, that's the only way they're going to generate any interest, much less in a crowd at the Circuit of the Americas for the V8 Supercars. I mean, with the best will in the world, it's an unknown series over there, and they say, oh, you know, there's lots of people who are interested, they watch us on speed. <laughs> Speed's yeah, audience yeah, in the United yeah, States yeah. is, you know... 
it is minuscule. It's big for motorsport, but it's not in the big scheme of things. So they're going to try and get some NASCAR drivers involved. Now, some of them will be available because they're not competing in the All-Stars race because they don't qualify, but you know, most of the top drivers, um, presumably including Marcus Ambrose, will be in the All-Stars. But that's on the Saturday night, and it is quite feasible that they just jump on a plane and fly to Texas and race the next day. But um, they, 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 they do it, you know, you know, they do it with when, when there are NASCAR races on and there are nationwide events at different venues, you know, they just jump on a plane. But, folks, would it not be uh, more, uh, more sensible for the, uh, the, uh, the, the NASCAR drivers to be racing after the championship race that the, um, the main contenders are in because, uh, you know, they, they do tend to want to get together a little bit Unless it leave them, because there could be a bunch of cars not going home and therefore difficult to be able to be repaired or some sort of, you know, I, I hear what you're saying, but I would suggest that the main competition would, or the points race would have to be on the Saturday. And if they have the NASCAR guys Sunday, Saturday night and then the whatever goes on Sunday. Well, if, the, if there is a race, you know, a separate race for um, guest drivers, shall we say, you know, it is, there is a high likelihood of carnage, yes, you're right. So I can see the logic in that event as well as the other reasons I mentioned being on the Sunday and the regulars running on Friday and or Saturday. Um, but it can still be, it, it can still count for the championship. I mean, I, you know, someone else has someone's got to work this out. But, you know, that's going to be part of the challenge is that, you know, whoever gets into Jamie Wincup's car or Frosty's car or Davo's car or Craig Lowndes' car, you know, they're not just driving for themselves, they're driving for that, you know, for that team and that driver's, um, you know, play or, you know, scoring in the championship. So, yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see, you know, these are all ideas, these are all suggestions I've heard, they're all things that the V8 people and the Texas people have been thinking about, you know. I'll be fascinated to hear what the format exactly is when they announce it sometime in this coming week. And I'd like to actually hear what uh, International Paulie's thoughts are on that, because no doubt he'll be in uh, the Don's ear trying to uh, get a, uh, a, a one-make Delta Wing race going there, because uh, it's pretty much as we... We talked about this a little while ago. Suddenly, there it is. Don's got the Delta Wing P2 sort of championship gig going on for next year. A nice little filler, but uh, isn't it just as we thought? Mm, well, that's all I can do at the moment. And um, I was talking to a senior uh, Nissan guy, or a senior Nissan motorsport guy who's here in his Infinity guys at the Singapore Grand Prix, Infinity being a major sponsor of the Red Bull racing team. And um, I was asking him about the Delta Wing for next year and and nissan's involvement and that's still very much in the air up in the air and as is the delta wings return to le mans for the 24 hours next year they're still waiting to hear from the aco about you know is there a place for it and then and in what class it can it can run i mean obviously it can't run as um you know the garage 56 car again because that spot's already been taken by the fuel cell in uh, powered entry so uh, Nissan, from Nissan's point of view anyway, they're waiting to hear from the ACO, the organisers of the Le Mans 24 hours, to see whether the car can be accommodated in 
well, I guess you logically LMP2 somehow. Well, look, I actually so I can sort of see that P2 variant, P2 cars, will almost disappear completely uh, to leave P1s or only and uh, the Delta Wing replacing that category or becoming the P2 car. And because it seems to be effective um, and also looks like you know, innovative in this and that... Um, but not if there's 20 of them. What point is it? Well, I don't know. 20 Delta Wings running around. I mean, that, no. That, that, but on the no, other hand, can boring. you tell? A, can you pretty much, if it's not a factory entry, can you? Or let's go to the American Le Mans series. Can you tell a LMP1 for an LMP2? Unless it's a unless it's a factory brand, which is running mm. in like WEC yeah. or something like. It's pretty hard, you know. Does Muscle Milk look like a P1? No, I know what you mean, but. We, we want Delta Wing. Delta Wing should be a symbol of innovation and, and difference, mm. not just another weird-looking cat spec series on its own. I mean, that, 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 I'm sorry, that doesn't wash it. Well, then, the, perhaps that this the new, uh, like the uh, the um, uh, Formula E that is coming in in 2014. Um, maybe there's somewhere where that fits in, and that would be a good thing. Uh, I don't know. Formula E is for electric-powered vehicles. Well, and Formula I for wheeler, So I'm not sure how that's going to work either. No, there's, there's still many, many questions not only to be asked, yeah. but you know, to be answered about this whole Delta Wing. But as I say, to me, it's a, it's a symbol of innovation and the requirement for much more innovation in motorsport or motorsport to return to its innovative roots. But if it just means, you know, a mob of Delta Wing clones running around the place, that's that's counterproductive, you know. It stands out on its own, but if it's, if it's just a mob of them, well, it's that they just look plain weird. But we shall have to wait and see, Johnny. Yeah, we will, and I, I should let you go. You, you know, you're going to have to do your regular waves down, you know, and signing down the important part of town there. Just a quick prediction before you go about what you think. Who's going to win? That's a very good question. Alonso is always very strong here and he's, he's just strong. So if the, if the cards fall his way and the, the strategy, he'll be very strong. He'll be very strong anyway, so I wouldn't mind betting um, that he'll, he'll sneak through uh, otherwise, though, I think, you know, there's um, several drivers who are in contention and it's all going to be decided by who handles the, the tyre degradation and the safety cars the best and who keeps <laughs> who keeps it off the wall. I think perhaps the question is who will come out of the end of this race in, a, you know, continuing on with the championship, and I think you're right. It would be very hard to say that Alonso wouldn't. He's a very clever driver and knows to drive within his limits and and uh, and take advantage or, of the situations or keep quiet when things don't go his way. So I would suggest he would be there. Hey, um, before, before I let you go, um, interesting food. Anything interesting up your way? Like half kilo tiger prawns? Nothing exotic, I'm afraid, no. Half-sized iPads? I haven't caught up with them yet. I've seen your reporting on that, and uh, it does look very interesting. And if, if well, it's unlikely if I get a chance to go and get one of those um, new uh, iPads that, that have missed the Mini iPad Mini um, the, the, facsimile. 
No, 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 they're from Mr. Lowe. Mr. Lowe. Who is that person? Who is that person next to you leaning over? There was Baron Is it Paul? Polo, mate! <laughs> Hello, Johnny. Hi, everyone. Man, don't encourage him, John. Stop it. <laughs> All right. I'll keep my eye out for the uh, iPad mini um, knockoff, no? That, that, the, your new iPad. Don't wreck it for the viewers. Oh, it's it's genuine. Mr. Lowe sells them. If you listen to uh, 222, you'll find out all about how if you buy an iPhone if 5... I did. An iPhone 5... <laughs> an iPhone 5, Mr. Lowe will give you $200 extra on the buy price if it's still sealed. And he's in your neck of the woods. At the low, low price. It is. On that note, See good night, you. John. Good night, viewers. Thank you, folks, and enjoy the race. We'll speak to you soon. <laughs> Get off. Get your ugly head off that Marinelli. Good night. <laughs> oh. Hello there. Hello. How are you going? Hello there, John. Hello. Yeah, yeah. The Marinelli man. Y'all can hear you. Now, folks, do you mind just butting out of this story? It's just, you've had your chance in the sun, folks. So it's your turn now, Paul. Hang on, Backing up. Yeah, I don't got shit. How are you? All right, I can't answer. Yeah. How are you, mate? What are you... Good, good, yeah? Yeah, good, good. You're what are right. you doing, huh? What are you doing? Getting him on. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, mate, just keep focusing. Just... How's things going anyway, all right? Yeah, good, mate. I... Sorry, I did see you out of the corner of my eye last weekend uh, at uh, Sandown, and sorry I didn't get to say hello, but uh, you obviously... I, was, I, wasn't there. I wasn't there. Oh, I'm sure I saw you there at some point. I wasn't at Sandown, mate. I was in Germany. Oh, right. it must the be. The Mechanica trade show. I missed it. Oh, must be. Good event, though. Good for Mark. Mm. Well, then there's a, there's a look-alike. Apparently... Yeah, it must be. It must be, but no, it wasn't me. I was in Germany. So then came uh, to Melbourne for four days, then up here for this. Got a conference here on Monday and Tuesday. Very good. Mate, uh, yeah. your uh, your week, uh, how's it been, being the the PR uh, representative oh, for, for uh, Mark Summertop? <laughs> yeah, I noticed that nickname. Um, yeah, isn't it amazing? They win the race and instead of celebrating their victory, they, they want to bring more attention to Mark and the overtaking move, for which there was nothing wrong with. And uh, yeah, it's interesting though. It just shows that we've got into his head. Which... Yeah. I, I just thought I thought that was pretty pathetic. Uh, it was a very amusing uh, media conference that that, that Fogs and I sat in. And I yeah, I. What do you say? I don't know. Yeah, what do you say? I mean, if he wants to bring attention to Mark fighting for the championship brothers and celebrating his win with Craig and Warren Love's first win, well, I'm rolling. Good on you. But uh, I'll tell you one thing, Mark's not going to stop fighting until the last lap at home, which is there right now, so they better get used to it. No, I, I, fully, <laughs> I fully agree, and I, I just... I think, um, you know, without being, being directly rude to Triple Eight, I just, there's just not a lot of people out there that I run into that actually want to see them win, you know, at the moment. It's just, it's too clinical. And it's not sort of... Oh, look, you know, they've done an incredible job. You can't, you can't fault that. 
but yes, um, having the same winners of Bathurst year after year after year does get a bit um, tiring. But look, you've got to hang Tom. They are the ones doing the job, and it's up to FBR and everyone else to beat them. Yeah, look, I um, I, I can imagine it is a very, very tight, tight-knit t- knit team, and don't, uh, don't, don't take this... Uh, in any way as a um, an omen for your your trip back home, but as I said to Faith um, when I started the conversation, I'm just reading the the story of, from Richard de Cripney of the Qantas Flight 32 of how he managed to solve yeah. A380. Uh, it's a very amazing story, and the amount of data they had to process, but it was extremely mm. prioritised, and and the rules. Yeah. Were, the rules were maintained, and and perhaps that yeah. that is you know something that that people from the outside looking in they don't realise just how um, how uh, strictly sort of compartmentalised each people's role is. Yeah, and how scientific the process is as well, you know, and if you don't follow the right steps, you don't get the results. And in that case, it was just an extraordinary level of um, cooperation between uh, him, the Czech pilot, uh, the Czech pilot that was checking the Czech pilot, <laughs> and um, obviously the um, the first officer as well. They, they did a great job. Yeah, absolutely. That's what they get paid the big bucks for. It's not when things are going great, it's when things are going bad. Not like you. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm gonna who paid for the drinks drink. last night? Did folks pay or was it be you? You'd be paying, I'm sure. Last night what? Who'd pay for the drinks last night? I don't sorry, I broke up. So I, I said who paid for the drinks last night? Uh, today it was. The drinks were today and we both put in, which is amazing. I saw the moths fly out of his wallet too. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to do the thing. I was going to do the big flick field for fifty dollars notes to show him how much I had. But I better not. <laughs> <laughs> They're photocopies, no, mate. Look, yeah, thanks. Several times I've never gone to Raffles and I spoke to took me there and it was just wonderful. Uh, thanks Very romantic for the two of us. Lovely. Thanks for your time, Paul. And uh, and uh, mate, uh, we'll catch up with you um, at Bathurst in a couple of weeks' time, no doubt. Yeah, looking forward to it, mate. Look out, the Frostmeisters on the prowl, and, and so is Will Davison. That team is so strong at the moment; it's not funny. So, um, really looking forward to a big. Looking forward to it, mate. Enjoy your time up there. Thanks for your time. See ya. Thanks. See ya. Bye. Bye. And that's uh, all of a sudden, <laughs> Paul Marinelli. Well, uh, so um, Mark Winterbottom's uh, PR manager just now the blue there, sitting next to folks. So uh, that's it for episode two twenty two point five.